All right, everybody, welcome to this episode of Eternal Leadership. And, you know, one of the best parts about this podcast is how many incredible people I've been able to meet that I would have never met because they've been listening to the podcast and they've reached out and they've connected. And Lyle Tard, you are on the podcast today. Welcome, my friend. It is my honor to be here. Thanks, John, for having me. Lyle, you reached out to me. You're active duty after a long career in the U.S. Air Force. You're about to retire. You're in a just a uh, significant leadership role. You're training and teaching servant leadership inside of the Air Force. You've taken all of your passion that you've had in incredible leadership roles in your church and other organizations, and you're bringing that out as you retire into your company doing impact servant leadership. And Lyle and his wife, Sherelle, were here in Denver, and they came in and said, hey, man, it'd be great to get together. And we had one of the most amazing conversations over lunch at this place, and you guys got the yeah. fancy uh, juices. They, You guys love that stuff. That um, was pretty good. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of kale juice, but uh, Sherelle is. <laughs> yeah, she's that stuff up. I think she would have gotten seconds um, had it not been just for the time we were talking and the stories we were telling. It was it was good. It was awesome. But you know what? The leadership culture inside of the Air Force, right? It's been such a traditional, and this isn't just the Air Force. This is actually the military, the government, kind of this you know top-down command control. And the government, the federal government, is realizing that you know that form of that style of leadership is not working with really the as the new generations are coming in and this is just ubiquitous across i think all organizations not just yes the government and you know what your whole and i love it buddy you have a podcast it's called service is power it's all about servant leadership. If you guys want to tie into just an amazing podcast, I'd recommend add it to your listen list. Go ahead and subscribe. Give Lyle a review on that. But your whole theme of your impact servant leadership, what you teach to companies, to churches, to different teams, is how to have significance in the workplace. And some of the keys for that is really how we lead and our vulnerability as a leader. and But what I'd like to do before we dive into what it means to actually have significance in the workplace and what it takes to do that and what the outcomes, the promise almost of doing that is. Love for you to share. You have just an incredible story, kind of your journey leading you up to, you know, why you're doing what you're doing today. Well, yeah. Uh, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to do that, John. Man, I tell you what, you know, you start to think that your life isn't necessarily special or cool. You know, you just kind of run of the mill and then you just look back after having an encounter with God and you realize that he's taking you through so much. And so growing up, I went through some some struggles because I had some abuse going on in my household, my who, you know, tried as hard as he could, but he was fairly abusive uh, with us growing up. And so having to go through this time where your dad is a minister, churchgoer, and there's this other dark side of him. You're trying to figure out the definition of love, definition of worth and significance. And I didn't know that my older brother was my half brother until I was 14 years old. And so I'm going through life believing, first of all, I'm not really worth a whole ton because my dad's beating on me. But then also I saw the way that my mom treated my older brother and I also didn't think I was worth a ton just because 
mom had to take care of my older brother as kind of the outcast, the kid that my dad couldn't touch because that wasn't biologically his kid. And growing up seeing life in those spaces, it's really difficult to find your identity, find your why, find your meaning. And it's even harder when you go through those things as a kid to wonder why God would allow some things like this to happen. And so I tried to escape. I, I left for the Air Force. I chose the Air Force. My dad was in the Navy. I chose the Air Force because I lived a year with my older brother in Grand Forks, North Dakota. Now, there's nothing fun, you think, going on in Grand Forks, but wrong had a blast out in grand forks and i said to myself well if the air force can make life cool in a place like grand forks north dakota then the air force must not be a bad gig and so i went in the air force january 20th 2000 and uh one moment i'm sitting in a restaurant with uh, a young man and didn't know him from adam and i'm talking to him and he just abruptly in the middle of the conversation asks me what do you think about jesus and that was the moment. That was the catalytic, cataclysm. Things just trying to turn around for my life. And when I got connected with Jesus Christ, I realized that I am somebody to him. And it was always something about him pulling at the strings of my heart and uh, just going through life and having to deal with all of those hurts of the past. And then also dealing with who the military tried to tell me I was versus who God says I am was very interesting. I would walk into a room and it would immediately command attention regardless of my rank or status. And I had to try to figure out what that was. Well, God was birthing a leader in me of a different type of perspective. And so fast forward to- Well, let me say let me say something though, Lyle. There's something about sure. you. Not only are you, you are uh, very- fit individual dude you're buff but you, not only do you have a physical presence though wow <laughs> there is a presence i mean what did you play in football i guarantee you you played football actually you know what i played more basketball than football i was a quarterback in the beginning of my high school days but i ended up being a basketball player actually okay so athlete and but yes. you know what though there is just a presence about you there's a light there's a it's like you know those people you meet and you just like, I want to get to know them, man. There's something special going on there. I want to know what's going on behind the scenes here because I could learn something from this guy. And when wow. I first met you, and that came across our first conversation on the phone, and I'll guarantee you it comes from your journey, your relationship with Christ, man, because that light is just shining out. And I just wanted to affirm you for that because, man, it was awesome. And as we grow closer, I think, in our relationship with Christ and all that stuff we have in our life that we're trying to make sense of, right? And there's sometimes God just doesn't make sense to us. Yeah. All this stuff does make sense to him, even though it's uh, I, sometimes there's things I can't wrap my own human brain around. But one of the first things he said to me when I was in his presence in my accident, Lyle, was, all things work together for good for those that yeah. love the Lord. And he was just reminding me, that, man, I got your back. Everything you're going to yeah. be going through, have gone through, it's all going to be used for his good, his purposes, his kingdom. And, you know, just I got to tell you, for me, buddy, that just gave me so much hope knowing that everything actually had a context, even if I didn't understand it, if that makes sense. It totally does. And it took me a while to get to that space and place, you know, in my 
as I look back over my life, I've realized that God has continuously done that for me just by provision and by the people that he's introduced me to, the people like the John Ramsteads of the world uh, that will say things like you just said to me. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're a leader, hold on to the moments where somebody starts to speak about how God shoots out of your life in one way, shape, form, or fashion. Because what I know is that that doesn't happen a lot. And doubt begins to creep in sometimes. And the enemy of our of our soul would like us to think that we're not significant as leaders. And I would encourage each and every one of you guys to hold on to those comments. Hold on uh, to those moments where God is able to show himself to someone else through you. That is a great high five in the spirit towards God. And it's a really valid, it's a validation of how much you've yielded to the spirit of God, to the voice of God, to the presence of God in your life. But it's been a journey to get to the place where God would bring Romans 828 back around to things are working together for my good. See, son, or daughter, I'm showing you right now. And so that's been life, man, for, for me the last uh, 39 years, and particularly the last probably 15 uh, and 16 in the United States Air Force. Yeah, and, you know, my wife and I were just talking last night is, you know, how do we help people really connect to the truth of who God sees when they look at us, right, as a leader? And I truly believe we are all leaders because, you know, if you have a positive influence on somebody, Anywhere you are, you are leading them. You're influencing them in a positive way. And and what you just said, Lyle, I love that. What are those things when people come up to you and maybe that, what is that problem that people always come and ask you to solve? Or what is that thing when that people say, hey, man, you're just good at this, right? Or, hey, here's something about you that just really, you know, why I love being around you, right? There's these, God is constantly giving us clues for what he sees when he looks at us. And it's about, we actually have to start accepting some of these things and taking them in because we're talking about servant leadership, how to have significance. And I think what is foundational to do that, to be a change agent in an organization, whether it's your family, your church, or a company you work in, or the Air Force, is we have to actually start taking some personal responsibility in ownership yeah. for who we are, what we do, what we say, how we react. Because when we start making just small improvements in those areas and people see like what I see in Lyle, right? And they're attracted to it. That then gives us the ability to influence them. So maybe they can take a small step. And if you can just do that with people around you, with the area that you control, I know there's people listening to this that are CEOs of large companies. There's also people that are sitting in the, in Cubeville, right? And they're the junior member on a team. They don't even know if their voice matters yet in their organization. But I'll tell you right now, it does. And your ability to influence, regardless of where you are on the org chart, doesn't change. No, I totally agree with that. And just to kind of get back to answer your question, you know, for me, it was two things that people typically – talk to me about. It's confidence and presence. Mm. And what I've realized things require zero rank. They require zero status. It is all about who I know I am in Christ and how I project or carry myself in public. And so 
I guess, you know, what kind of happens is people can tell that before I even open my mouth that I'm very secure in me. And then the ability to understand the climate or culture of a room or an organization and then hone in on it and bring it in. That's more the gift of God, I would definitely say, but I'm confident in it. Um, I'm why and how, not through my own words, but through two people, C.S. Lewis and a young man by the name of Joel Habaker. He wrote a book called Inverted Leadership. Uh, love Joel Habaker. I just had him on my podcast and he explained this thing beautifully. It's called Confident Humility. It's a concept that Joel writes about in his book. Uh, C.S. Lewis said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less often. And when you wrap your head around the fact that God has created and fashioned you a certain way and that we are fearfully and wonderfully made in that fact, and God is just as excited about how he's created you as you should be, but realizing you can use that as a tool to help other people, that's the whole idea around confident humility, knowing who you are and knowing what God has put in you. As a matter of fact, Joel Habaker, he describes leadership as the art of positively influencing other people. That's exactly what we should be doing. We should be in a space where we're continuing to positively influence other people with whatever it is that we have. So whether you're sitting, like John was saying, in a boardroom in a C-suite position, or you're just at the bottom of the rung, maybe it feels like to you, cubicle heaven or, or the cubicle space where you're just surrounded by so many voices and you feel like you're insignificant. Find out, discover, or rediscover what it is that God has put in you and be just as confident in that as God is. And once you stand up in that, but use it to serve other people, all of a sudden the presence of God in you coming out of you and the confidence of God on you will shine through. And that's the things that people would talk to me about as far as when they saw me, when they got connected to me. Yeah, I love that. And you know, before we hit record, you were talking about one of the keys, one of the foundational, I guess, aspects of really being an effective servant leader is vulnerability. And over here at Eternal Leadership and our coaching and consulting company, Beyond Influence, Lyle, we are fans of what we call extreme vulnerability. And I love to talk to you about that, uh, where that comes from, first of all, scripturally, and then how do we actually start bringing that out into our life, into the cultures that we find ourselves in? That's an amazing question. Thanks so much for asking it. There are tons and tons of places in Scripture where we see vulnerability and how it affects people. Uh, but I want to talk about one that maybe we don't see right off the bat. And it comes from the essence of where Impact Servant Leadership was built out of John chapter 13. It's the moment when Jesus is about to wash his disciples' feet. Now, if we set the moment, we set the stage for whomever might be listening to this thing. What happens is Jesus and his disciples are walking in to a room, an upper room experience where they're about to celebrate uh, the Passover. It's during the Passover time. And when they get into the room, what's supposed to happen through Jewish custom is whomever is the lowest statured person in the room as far as rank or status in life – 
That person is supposed to be the immediate servant of all. Now, people are walking around barefoot. What should happen is that individual, those when those people walk in, the lowest person should be washing the feet of the individuals that come into the room to ensure that those individuals are served and they're refreshed and they are ready for the feast. And so what happens is they all come into the room and if we match and juxtapose John chapter 13 with a couple of other scriptures in Luke and Matthew, what you find out is that the disciples are actually talking about who's the greatest among them. And so what Jesus's response is to this commentary is to get up and take his outer garment off, go get a basin, fill it up with water and start washing feet. Now, most people pay attention to the washing feet part, which is fantastic. But what I want us to pay attention to is the fact that he took off his outer garment. What his outer garment is as a teacher, as a rabbi, is protection for his body, but also a covering of who he is as an authoritative person in the Jewish custom. He did not have to take off his outer garment just to wash feet. But when he did, he exposed himself to his disciples, not just as the rabbi or the leader or the high person, but he exposed himself as a humble servant of God and then lowered himself to a place that everyone else in the room knew that that was the lowest position. That's the type of vulnerability we need to have as leaders. If we are in a place where we can just kind of take off our bravado, take off whatever title or status we believe that we have, whatever ideas or whatever pride we might have on us and take it off and use that to be the precursor to then serving people, our service becomes much more authentic. Our leadership becomes much more connected. Dr. Brene Brown says that connection is the feeling of being seen, heard, and valued. How do we hear, see, and value people? Well, first of all, we've got to be hearable and seeable and touchable in a way that allows our uh, the, the validity of what we're about to say or do to be known. And so the way Jesus did it is by taking off his outer garment. He took it off so that people could see, the disciples could see him for real and then go down and serve and wash feet and take off the dirtiest parts of them, wash the dirtiest parts, the things that they worked hardest on the things that were most intimate to them. He washed that and made them clean. And this is why vulnerability, I believe, in our workplaces, in our homes, in our churches, wherever it is that we do life, exceptionally vital if we would just take off those things that kind of hold heaviest down, that hold us back, the pride stuff, and let that be known to be uh, something that's just uh, gonna fade away. We're gonna take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor. Have you ever read a classic book and then reread it months or years later? John and I do this with How to Win Friends and Influence People. I know many people that do this with Five Levels of Leadership by John Maxwell and many others. Well, Blinkist allows you to reread the key thoughts and insights of these books, as well as 2,500 more, most in less than 15 minutes. John and I both signed up for Blinkist last year, and we are big fans. I recently reread the Blinkist summary for How to Win Friends once a night for a few consecutive nights right before bed just to get those concepts in my conscious and subconscious minds. 
The app says that that one's a 21 minute read, but I got it done in around 15 minutes. I also re-reviewed other books like The Lean Startup, Play Bigger, Launched by Jeff Walker, The War of Art, many, many more. Read via their mobile app, which is beautifully designed, or at the website, or export to your Kindle. You can even listen to the audio versions on the go or while you read along. Here's the best part. You can try Blinkist for a free seven-day trial. Embedded in the summary of this MP3 is our affiliate link, which you can access at eternalleadership.com slash blink. That's eternalleadership.com slash blink. And if you subscribe by using that link we provide, it's an easy way to help support the work that John, Sandra, Phidias, Daisy, and myself are doing to keep this show going for you. We only want to promote products and services that we personally use and are fans of, and this is one of them. Check out that affiliate link, eternalleadership.com slash blink to learn more. Thanks. So, Lyle, in practical terms, what does that look like for you as a kind of a senior leader in the Air Force to bring vulnerability into what you do there? Love that question. Really practically, we can be vulnerable when we just talk about what we're not good at what our weaknesses might be, exposing the things that we are not confident in. There's this concept called staffing your weakness, where you allow people who are really, really good at something to come in and help you with what you're really, really not good. I think one of the things, especially in the military, that we have a problem doing is admitting that we're not good at this or that. And when we say, hey, listen, administration is not my strong suit, but yours is. When we can identify that in other people and say, hey, listen, you're really phenomenal at, for instance, public speaking. I'm really not confident in a crowd of people. I know I might be a leader, but hey, listen, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the message, right? And I'm going to let you go out there and tell the people about it. So be strong in your strength. And then I'm going to let you know, hey, I'm not really good here. Also, being in a position where you're telling people about your faults or failures, uh, not allowing failure to define you. Your, as a launching board, a springboard to success in other people. So Lyle, letting failure be your springboard. You know, a lot of times, right, as leaders and being vulnerable, like talking about, you know, staffing our weaknesses, right? It seems a bit counterintuitive to share with other people when we're trying to get ahead what we're not good at, right? We're always trying to, uh, oftentimes, right, we want to make ourselves look good. We don't want to say, hey, that's not an area of my strength. So how do you have the balance between kind of being vulnerable, but also, you know, really showing up and doing your best work in those areas that you are strong in? Well, I'll tell you what, it's a bit of a myth, to be quite frank, when people think that they have to always be strong and they can never expose their weaknesses, it's a bit of a myth. Just think about it. It's this concept called competitive buoyancy. Think about it. If you're in a situation or a spot where you are trying to help people right, on a consistent basis and then the other, there are other people around who are always – pretty stubborn. I mean, we can see that they have a weakness, but they won't admit it. And then it comes to a position where one person or the other should get promoted. They should get pushed forward. Who is the person that we're going to select? Well, we're most likely going to want select the person that's doing the most help, the one that's giving the most, the one that's most vulnerable with who they are, but then, of course, allowing people to be a part of their life. What we typically do is we allow those people that are most generous 
with information about who they are to be the ones that are more successful going forward. And so what we should do is we should be confident in our strengths, but also be confident in other people with our weakness. We just don't divulge our weaknesses just randomly. No, it's strategic. We're going to empower people with our weakness. And so we find people who are really good at what we're not. And we do one of two things. We either give them uh, the ability to be strong in that space or allow them to coach us into being strong in that place that we're weak. It thereby creates this relationship, this symbiotic relationship where everybody is growing, everybody's improving, everybody's getting better. Other people are validating other people. And it becomes this beautiful picture of teamwork and collaboration that we all start to grow together. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And you know what? It is a myth, but I think people don't, you know, this conversation that we're talking about, people don't know how to have it. So here's something I do, you know, with the teams I work with. And I love what you said about Brene Brown, right? To feel connected, right? You need to be seen, heard, and valued. And one of the things I've done with teams that I've worked with is I have them take the strength finders. And yeah. you go around and we look at our top strength and we have people share what their strengths are. What are their top, you know, strengths, their top five? And then what are those top couple ones? And as people kind of share and go, oh my gosh, Lyle, that's why you always do this. Hey, John, that's what you do. And then all of a sudden it completely, first of all, it builds relationship because we are being vulnerable. Like here's the things I'm good at, which also means there's some things that are maybe in my role that I'm not good at. Is there a way for us to compensate? Or should I be doing something, maybe, Lyle, that you've been tasked with and vice versa? Right now, all the work has to get done, so that's not always an option. But the more we can know each other and know our strengths and build on that as part of a team, and this is all about you know, serving each other, and that can be just a powerful way to just completely change the dynamic on a team where I'm not just focused on me, right? the arrows in, which is the opposite of servant leadership, Right. I kind of define servant leadership, right? Because in a lot of organizations that try, there's a misunderstanding about what servant leadership is. Right? Oh, yes. I, Please talk about it because there is. <laughs> you know, I've seen people do this, right? They write an org chart, right? You got the CEO at the top, and then, you know, it kind of goes down in this big pyramid. And they say servant leadership is I flip that upside down. I'm the, I'm the leader. I'm at the bottom, like what you talked about with, you know, Jesus putting himself in that position. And so my goal is just to serve everybody who's above me. What I've seen in organizations when people do this, they don't want to have the difficult conversations or maybe share some feedback. They just try to delegate and empower people before they're actually ready, right? They yeah. don't have the training, the skills, the experience to actually succeed in some of the things we're asking them to do. And all of a sudden, the results of that organization start to drop, and guess what happens is that leader goes back into more of a directive approach, a command control approach to get things back. What I have found is this. Servant leadership means that I have to help my people, whether my peers, if I'm in a cube, on a team, whether I'm the CEO, succeed. And that means they have to know how to do their job. They need the knowledge. They need the experience, right, with that knowledge applied to what they're doing, whether it's in a family or in a company or in the Air Force. And then they need the tools that are required to do that job well. And it's our job to make sure that happens. Part of that is also giving people feedback. 
And you know what? There's nowhere in the Bible is the word that I've been able to find when I search the word nice. But the word kind, <laughs> the word kind is there. So guess what? I've had some people in my life, and this was definitely I, these guys who I think exemplify servant leadership, Lyle, share some feedback to me that was not fun to hear, right? I did not think it was nice, but guess what? It would not have been kind of them to not share it because I needed to hear it for me to be able to change and become the person that yeah. is going to be better for the organization, better for myself. You know, I've had somebody share with me, man, you know, the reason you don't have a lot of close relationships, John, is, man, your sarcasm, man, you're just a jerk a lot of the time. And I need to yeah. share that with you. It is affecting your relationships here. And I got to tell you, man, that was hard to hear. But yeah. And he might have been able to say it differently. But I got to tell you, that stung. And I was Mr. Wounded Avoider with that guy for a few days. But then I had to make a choice, right, Lyle? I had to like, okay, yeah. am I going to take this and process and say, you know, is that true? Is there something there? And so then I went to some other people and solicited some feedback. I got to tell you, that was a place of vulnerability, going to some other people and say, man, do I come across this way? He's like, well, you know, and they don't want to answer the question. You're like, okay, well, thanks for giving me the confirmation on that one. <laughs> but yeah. then you have to do something with it, right? And honestly, that is, for me, that was servant leadership. Somebody serving me in a way that was really powerful. But it's some of these conversations that need to happen, right? Working in our strengths giving people feedback, but it has to come from the place of feedback, not from a place of judgment, which is yeah, where a go. lot of it comes from, but it has to come from a place of love and humility. You talked about this confident humility. When I say love, I mean, you know what, Lyle, I care more about you and what you're doing than maybe how, you, how I care about how you feel about me. Mm. Right. And I'm doing this because I want you to see you do your best. I want to encourage you. I want to lift you up and yeah. I want to see you excel. And if I'm coming from that place, the feedback is going to come across differently because if we know somebody cares, then we care what they know and what they think about us. Without question. Right. If it's somebody like your father, right. And people I've had in my life that's coming from a place of judgment or criticism. I, it's going to be processed and received very differently. Yeah, no question. I love what you're talking about. If we go back to the inverted pyramid, one of the issues that people that invert the pyramid and they don't do it right is because they're still looking for success in a different, in the same way. However, they're not allowing the success of the organization to be the people. Uh, they're still they're the CEO and they want to help people, but they're looking at success differently. So what happens is they're empowering and they're giving things away, but the buck still stops with them in the perspective of when things go right, it's because I gave my power away. It's because I did this. And so a lot of times people say, hey, you got to lead from the front. And I agree with that in some respects. I believe you can also lead from the back because if we just look at a plane of people, you know, people on a plane, I'm going to say P-L-A-I-N, plane, right? And people are moving forward. They're going somewhere, right? And the leader is behind them. Well, if the leader's in front, they've got to turn around and slow down to watch, to go look at the people behind them. But if they are behind them, they can watch 
how they are developing. They can watch how they are growing. They can look and see the missteps that they're making. And that's the moments that you can get a John Ramstead to come in and use some coaching techniques and some coaching perspectives to help them get up, be better, and move forward with a pace and with a confidence that's going to allow them to grow and develop. This is the kind of leadership from a servant leadership perspective that we need to be given. As a matter of fact, servant leadership should never include me or we. What you'll hear us say a lot around services power and, and impact servant leadership is they are the strength. It is about what they do. Because even if I say we, I'm still including me. Servant leadership isn't about me on any realm or plane whatsoever. It is all about them. If I can make them better, then I will, by proxy, it's just the way God set it up, seed time harvest. If I sow a seed in the ground, in the right place, in the right soil, given enough time, it's going to produce a harvest that I am allowed to then pick off the fruit of. If I can sow into the lives of these people, if I can get them right, whether it's that feedback you're talking about, the, hey, listen, you know, you're your pace is this, and this is the reason why. And hey, let's together grow to be able to get you where you need to be. And it's not about me. It's about them completely. What happens is, well, everything around us all grows and gets better. And yeah, that's going to blow back on me just because of the principles of God. But what we really need to do is take our eyes off of ourselves, be willing to absolutely accept none of the credit ever, and be willing to allow them to succeed. And once they do, they always sow back. It's just a spiritual principle. It's really a life principle. It's a it's a natural concept set up by a holy and powerful God that seems to continue generation after generation, reciprocate itself and come back into our culture. Yeah, well, you know, one of the, it reminds me of a story of, uh, when I was a junior officer, Lyle, and I, I wanted to make the Navy a career, and I was working for a commanding officer who I absolutely just loved this guy, respected him, and everybody in the squadron would have just run through a wall for this guy, right? He was absolute, a servant leader in that culture. And I went into him one day and just said, you know, hey, Skipper, love to get your thoughts. I want to make the Navy a career. I want to be a commanding officer like you. What advice you know, would you give me? What advice do you th- wish you would have had when you were at this stage? And man, he loved the question. And here's what he told me. He goes, listen, everybody's trying to do something big and showy to get, you know, noticed, to get written up in their fitness report. And he goes, listen, just do this. Every single day you find somebody in this squadron, senior to you, junior to you, enlisted officer in your department or not in your department, doesn't matter. But you do something that helps them, helps them succeed, accomplish what they're trying to do, that's in alignment with their goals and the mission of this squadron. And if you, he goes, you might never get any feedback or accolades or recognition, but trust me, when we're sitting around, all the senior officers, and we're talking about promotions or what's next or opportunities, a guy that is serving everybody in this squadron who is all in, who's focused on others, that's going to be the person who is going to have any career that they want to have. And I adopted that. That's kind of how I was wired. But when he told that to me, it just made so much sense. And that has become the way that I have operated. And my whole ethos has always been my success is built on helping everybody around me succeed. And if I can do that well, 
then you know what? My own, you know, things that my goals and things that I'm trying to accomplish, they're going to be taken care of as a kind of part of the process of me just serving others without even Certainly. maybe expecting some of the things that I want personally, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. John, if I could share a quote, 30 seconds, a quote that I wrote a couple of uh, months ago was this, the only way to build influence above and below you is to make them feel like you were beside them. Mm. That's exactly what Jesus did. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what Jesus did in every single moment that we see any type of miracle, any type of teaching, any type of profound moment. He never did it from a hierarchical place. He made people feel like he was right beside them, right with them, in the trenches, with them every single day, and helping them get out of whatever situation they're in or improve on their space and status. Love the road to Emmaus. That's the type of thing that we need to be doing in the lives of other people. That's awesome. And so how do people connect to you? Your podcast is on iTunes. Yes. Actually, my podcast just got it approved on Spreaker and iHeartRadio. So by the time you listen to this uh, podcast, you can go on to iHeartRadio and Spreaker and what else? Google Play, SoundCloud, and look for Services Power. You can go to servicespower.org and look us up there. ImpactServantLeadership.com is the other website. LinkedIn, you can find me on LinkedIn, Lyle Tard. You can go on Twitter. You can type in Lyle Tard or the serving leader. And the last E in leader is gone because, you know, how Twitter is. They're really weird with their handles. So they didn't <laughs> let, me, let me put the last E in there. But all of those places are a great place to connect with me. John, thank you so much for allowing me to say that. I appreciate it. And listen, love to serve and help anybody that gets connected with me. Yeah, you're awesome. And guys, Services Power, great podcast, just launched. So go in, hit subscribe. It's going to help him be uh, top and new and noteworthy. That's a big deal. Uh, Write a review, rate it, and share it with a friend. Because you know what? We all need to, you know, we get what we focus on. And this is the kind of stuff that we need to be focusing on in how we're showing up in the world. Lyle, thank you for who you are, what you do, my friend. And uh, man, keep knocking them alive out there. Will do, John. Love you, man. Thank you so much. I'm honored to serve. Love you, too. And give my uh, love to your amazing bride. Yeah, you do the same. All right. See you, brother. Bye.